comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry in Kumasi, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 1. It's amazing that it is in First Corinthians, in fact, it's in the book of Corinthians that Paul addresses the subject of love so passionately. He explains in all his letters, you see the spirit of love in it. But in the book of 1 Corinthians, he took time to address the subject of love. And he did so, I believe, because usually, if you are going to tell whether love is in a place or not, you have to experience a lot of confusion. Love is determined through a lot of challenges. When you have somebody who is provoking you, then you'll be able to tell whether your love is patient. When you have somebody who speaks unkind words to you, then you will tell whether your love is kind. When somebody speaks unkind words to you, will you be able to speak kind words back to them? That's when you begin to tell your love. Are you hearing what I'm teaching this morning? So in 1 Corinthians, and in the book of Corinthians generally, I said that in all the churches that Paul wrote, one of them that had a lot of problems, filled with problems in the church, I hear people sometimes who say, I don't want to be in church because there are problems in the church and this and that and that and that. Listen, if the church is a church, there will be problems in it. If you go to a church where there are no problems at all, it's not a church. Where living human beings are, there will be problems. But you see, the problems in the church are supposed to be taken care of by something that Holy Ghost calls love. Praise God. By love, we are able to deal with our problems as a church. By love, we are able to minimize our challenges as a church. You can't marry and not have a problem with your spouse. But when it comes, that is when you need to demonstrate the love of God. I didn't know, I didn't marry you to give me a problem. What did you marry her for? She will challenge you for you to grow to become more like Christ. Most of the time, when people are dreaming of husbands, they are dreaming for husbands who do not exist. Roller coaster husband. No, 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 no. Listen. If you really want to marry, be open. Don't be asking. Rather, pray and say, Lord, give me grace to accommodate whoever you give me as a man. Are you hearing what I'm teaching? That should be your prayer. That's how, that's how, that's how you pray. If you don't want to, I mean, and we just want to be nice and flow. Listen, I've not met a couple who have flowed and nicely every day, all the time. The best couples learn how to love each other in spite of. That's, that's the best couple. In spite of. In spite of. That's why people who divorce usually will divorce again. Because the things they are looking for. When they meet another person, they realize that, okay, this one too has every other thing, but this, one, this thing is also missing. So they always go looking for something missing. Praise God. 
and it's an elusive life. It's like a mirage. When you are driving on the road, it, it looks like there's a pool of water in front of you. As you get close, you see that it's not there. And when you don't learn to live with the one God has given you with all their weaknesses and liabilities, you keep on searching and searching and searching and searching. And you go to heaven and back and you will find. Why? Because they don't exist at all. Can somebody give me an amen? That's it. Bible says eagerly. So I was just talking about the Corinthian church. Wow. Gifted church. There is no church. All of Paul's letters. And his letters were written to churches, mostly, with the exception of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. But there's no church that had a lot of problems like the Corinthian church. It was also the most gifted church. In fact, Paul was speaking, he said, the whole church, they do not come behind in no gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think verse 6 or so. He said, they come behind in no gift. Every gift you desired was there. Every gift, prophecy was there. Miracle was there. Uh, uh, visions and dreams were Every gift was there. Sometimes they will kill him to prophesy. I told you a couple of weeks ago, they will kill 10 people in one service, two hour service. They will kill and prophesy. So by the time, you don't have time for any other thing. As this man is prophesying, Minnesota uh, is in line. When he's done, the king Ernest will follow. Gifted. When you talk about real faith in Corinth, they could just point to this pillar. Pillar sink and the pillar will sink. Listen, faith, real faith, real faith, real faith. It was there. You think I'm lying? Very soon I'll show you from the scriptures. That, no, I'll show you. Because if you can say to this mountain, be removed and it be removed, is it pillar sink? That pillar will not sink. First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, first of all, talked about spiritual gifts. Somebody say spiritual gift. So let's start from there. Spiritual gift. First Corinthians of the 12, King James. First Corinthians of the 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I will not have you to be ignorant. So when you read all the way to 30, it talks about spiritual gifts. All of them are spiritual gifts. How the working of miracles, the working of all kinds of spiritual gifts. He said, I will not have you to be ignorant. But when he finished and he went to verse 31, give me verse 31. After he finished talking about spiritual gifts, verse 31. Now, but covet the best gift. Somebody say, covet the best gift. So you see, from verse 1 to 30, he talks about all the gifts. Then he encourages them to covet the best gift. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. That should tell you that. The best gift, even the best gift, is not the most excellent. So after the best gift, there is something more excellent. And I'm going to show it to you. So where is he going to show it to us? Now let's do the Amplified Version before we go to chapter 13. Amplified Version. He said, but endlessly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and the best gift and graces. The higher gift and the choicest graces. Yet, and I will show you a still more. You see the way he puts it? It means it's a continuation of what has happened before. A still more excellent way. One that is better by far and the highest of them all. And here, he just captured it. The one that is highest by far, highest than them all is love. So, he said, I will show you a more excellent way. Go to chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 1. This is when he began to talk about the more excellent. 
So here he started talking about the more excellent. So he started. He said, if I can speak in tongues of men and even tongues of angels. So you see, there are tongues of men and tongues of angels. When we start opening our mouth and we are speaking in tongues, some are speaking tongues of men, some are speaking tongues of angels. <laughs> Praise God. He says, if I speak with tongues of men. So he started in first chapter 12, he talked about the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But here, he says, if I speak with tongues, that is the tongues I've talked about in chapter 12, and I have no love, intentional spiritual devotion, just as inspired by God's love, for, for and in us, I am only a noisy conch and a clanging simba. So he tells you that when it comes to tongues and love, love is superior. Go to two. He said, if I have prophetic powers, somebody say prophetic powers. Oh, say prophetic powers. And some people have wild prophetic powers. They see things they have seen and they see things they have not seen. Praise God. All kinds of things. Bible says, if I prophetic, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truth and mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have sufficient faith, look at that, so I can remove mountains. Did you see that? Are you following what I'm teaching? I can remove mountains, but do not have not love. God's love in me, I'm nothing useless, nobody. So if you can speak to the pillar, pillar sink, pillar collapse, and it collapses, and you have no love. So that's what was happening in the Corinthian church. There were people with great faith, but love was lacking. Go to verse 3. If I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, wow. And in order that I may glory, but I have no love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. So, he tells you about spiritual gifts. He talks to you about love. Then he comes to chapter 14. In chapter 14, he's still going to talk about spiritual gifts. But before he starts it, he puts a very important clause. This is how he puts it. Let's read it together. One go. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this law. Make it your aim, your great quest. And endlessly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowment. Now, if you check the Greek, pursue and desire are different. The word pursue talks of a, a stronger connotation than desire. There are people who desire things they don't pursue. But you can't pursue anything you don't desire. More complicating. You can't, he said, pursue love. Let it be your highest goal. Pursue it. Why? Don't neglect spiritual gifts. See, pray that you see. Pray that you operate in faith. Pray that you hear the sick. All of the hard visions and dreams. But most importantly, desire. Make sure you pursue love. Why is this? Now, let's see Ephesians where we are teaching. In fact, that's Ephesians of 5. He said, be therefore imitators of God as dear children. Verse. And walk in. Oh, say it. Walk in. Walk in love as Christ also had loved us and given himself. Walk in love. So we are commanded to pursue love. We are commanded to walk in love. What is about love? That makes it so important that all of these injunctions are being given. First John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. First John chapter 4, 7 and 8. Contemporary English version, please. 
My dear friends, we must love each other. Somebody say love each other. Love comes from God. And when we love each other, it shows that we have been given new life. We are God's children and we know him. Verse, God is, oh say it, God is. And anyone who doesn't love others has never, say it aloud, has never, has never. Okay, he said. The King James says, Beloved, verse 7, let us love one another. The same place, verse 8, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. That's King James. The word love there, it, it means four different things to a Greek. If a Greek man says, let us love, you have to ask him, which one do you mean? Turn to your neighbor and say, which one do you mean? Uh-huh. There is one, they call it Eros. There is one they call a stogie. And there is one they call filio. But the one used here is the one they call agapao. And usually the word agapao is used to describe the God kind of love. The love that is supernatural. The love that is above human. That's love. He's, when he says, beloved, let us love one another. That, that love there is not let us filio one another. It's easy to filio one another. Friendship. He, he does me good, I do him good. It's easy. Praise God. But agapayo is loving somebody who, in spite of his challenges, the pain and all the things he gives you. He does something against you and in your lifetime you may not have to speak with, to him again. But agapayo means forgive him, still speak to him and be careful about him. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's what it means. It does not mean that, like for instance, somebody wants to cut your hand off like this. Alright? He say, I love you. I forgive you. I bring my hand, cut it. That's foolishness. That's not what we are talking about. Agapayo. Instead of writing, I will never talk to him again. No, that's not our way. Our way is that love him. Pray for him. But be careful. Like somebody did business with you, he duped you and all of that. You can become so full of hate and bitter that you never want to hear his name. There are people who never want to hear the names of people mentioned. There are people, when they see some people coming from one angle, they will pass, they will climb a mountain or something. Yeah, because their heart is, and they say, oh, I don't have anything against you. Listen, if you don't have anything against a person, you should be able to greet the person and freely go. Am I communicating? Anybody you can call, anybody you can greet, anybody, when you see him like this, you look here. You, you have something in your heart against a person. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Yeah. By the grace of God, in my little life, short life, I don't have anybody like that. There's nobody. No. Nobody that when I meet him, I'll have to look somewhere. Or, you know, there's some, sometimes, <laughs> and unfortunately, if you have to find yourself in a narrow road, like, for instance, <laughs> for instance, in this our church, this our road uh, uh, stairs, you can imagine somebody you don't like. And the person is climbing from up and you are descending from down. You, 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 you know what to do. Whether to sink, whether to enter the wall. <laughs> when you don't walk in love, you have problems. Yeah. Your problems are too many. But the Bible says we have to agape one another. And we'll come to look at it. But we've been examining and exploring why this important call. From all through scripture, love is something that is so emphasized. 
In the Old Testament, a lot of emphasis was placed on loving God. In the New Testament, a lot of emphasis is placed on loving one another. Why is this so important? We touched on nine things last week. And this service, I won't recap them. I'll just continue. Praise God. So if you really want to get it, hook up to the podcast. Praise God. Why is it so important? Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. The message version. He says, message version. What what God does. And then you do it. Somebody say, what what God does. And then what? Do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. So children learn proper behaviors from where? Their parents. If we are, a, we are the children of God, we must learn proper behavior. What is that proper behavior? Look at verse 2. He said, mostly what God does is love. It's not mostly. All the time. That translation is weak. All the time what God does is love. Oh, because that is his nature. If his nature is love, can he do something outside his nature? No. All the time what God does is love. So he says, keep company with him. That's the part I like. Keep company with him and learn a, learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loves us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. May you receive grace to walk an extravagant life. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Can you imagine loving, like, loving your wife like that? Loving your husband like that? Your home will be different. Oh. May your home be different. Amen. May your marriage be different. Amen. Can somebody give me a believing amen? amen? And today I want to continue. I'm touching on about seven of them. One is that walking in love. Why is it so important to walk in love? Walking in love is the most authentic proof of genuine love for God. Somebody say genuine love for God. Say genuine love for God. Or say genuine love for God. Americans have their way. British have their way. Genuine love for God. One of the things as a pastor I've seen is that a lot of people can easily say that they love God. It is very easy in fact, John the Beloved, the apostle of love, used to, he wrote, there's no apostle of all the apostles. None of them wrote extensively on the subject of love. John, John, all his books, love. First John, second John, third John. Love is the central anchor. And he was talking about what people commonly say. So in first John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, let's see. He said, if someone says, I love God, how many of you have heard people say, I love God? And sometimes the person is even your husband. You have heard your husband say, I love God. Your wife say, I love God. Your friends say, I love God. And it's, 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 it's an interesting cliche. When you hear people say, I love God, it's a, it's a charismatic word and jargon. I love God. I, I'm passionately in love with God. I love God. I love God. John says, when you hear anybody throwing about, I love God. If any man say he loves God and he hates his brother, don't wait for another evidence. He's a liar. Praise God. He said, don't wait for another evidence. Don't pray about it. Don't think about it. Just conclude that person is lying. Ask your neighbor, are you lying? <laughs> Praise God. He said, if you say, I love God, but I hate my brother, he's a liar. Liar. New Living Translation. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. If we don't have love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? You see, the hypocrisy of pretending to love God is because you can't see God. 
So, God is not present to tell us that you are lying. Praise God. You know, <laughs> when you come to tell me something, and then I don't check. Wait, you tell me that, oh, Minister Ray is a, is a left-handed person. And I don't get too close to him and engage him and give him something to write to see whether or not he's a left-handed person. And I, I, I just buy into yours. Because I've not seen Minister Ray, I can easily believe what you're saying. Praise God. But when I see Minister Ray, and I see, I give him pen to write, and I see that he's struggling with left, then it cannot be true that what you said is true. Am I communicating? This is what God is saying. He said, you have not seen me, so talk, don't pretend to say that you love me. Uh -huh. Because if you say you love me, there is nothing to prove for anybody to see that you truly love me. But you see this man. When you show love to this person, then you are actually giving evidence to the fact that you love me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know whether somebody understood that illustration. Please, That's what he's saying. A lot of people pretend the Lord. That's why I like the Bible. Because God's word will reveal all the deceit in your heart. The deceit. It will, the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing into the dividing asunder and of joints and marrow. And it, it disturbs. It comes out with the intent of the heart of people. Praise God. That's, that's the evidence. If you love God, how is your love for Jinjil? The last comment you pass about her, can you look at her face and say the same thing? That is proof that you love God. Not your singing, I love you, Lord. Tears may even be running. God says, this is fake. As long as for the past three days you have not spoken with your wife. That I love you, Lord, is fake. Can somebody give me an amen there? He said, no man has single. That's the proof. That's the major proof that genuine love for God is in place. Number two, walking in love enhances your fellowship with the Father. Walking in love. I realize that a lot of people, every time they come into prayer, they must confess sins of commission Sense of omission, all kinds of things. And it's one of the things Satan uses to fight against people's faith. When you walk in love, your fellowship is sweet. Fellowship is sweet. Fellowship is sweet. Fellowship is sweet. Fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. No, 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 let's look at 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 and 7. This is a message which we have heard from the beginning. And we declare to you that God is light. Somebody say God is light. Oh, say it aloud. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Now verse 6. Let's go. Oh, read it aloud. Hold it there. John seemed to like the things people were saying. He said, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, it's a lie. If you say you have fellowship with God, and you are walking in darkness, you are also a liar. Praise God. Now, he says, God is light. So, if you have fellowship with God, you must be in the light. Because, you see, when you are in the darkness, and there is light here, you can't see what's going on here. And you can't, you can't have fellowship with any of us here. God is light. So, to relate with God, it's like, for instance, saying you want to have fellowship with me, or you want to have a conversation with me. My office is there, and you are here. If my office is there and you are here, you can't have a conversation with me. Can you? 
No. Can you? That's not possible. If you must have conversation with me, you may have to walk to my office, and then in my office, we can sit down and talk face to face. God is in light. If you are functioning in darkness, you cannot have fellowship with God. Now, that's what the Bible is saying. He said, if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness. Now, let's go to verse number 7. He said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, go with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Let's see how this light and love work together. New living, new international version. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Are you following? He says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still where? In the darkness. You, for, you, you, if you remember, he says, he who says he loves God and hates his brother is a liar. Then he says, anybody who says he's in the light but hates his brother is in darkness. In other words, when you are in the light, being in the light means loving your brother. Praise God. Being in the light means what? Loving your brother. God is love and God is light. When you are in love, you are in God. When you are in light, you are also in God. And when you are in light, you will love your brother. You will love your brother. Now, how can you have fellowship with God? You have to be in the light. Is that not what you said? Are you really following what I'm teaching? How can you have fellowship with God? You have to be in the light. How must you be in the light? By loving your brother. So if you are not loving your brother, can you have fellowship with God? Can you have fellowship with God? So may I submit to you, all oh, this, your mountain of prayer is fake. All this, I'm doing three days of, seven days of fasting, and, and in weeks, you have not spoken to somebody by you, because he anointed you. It's fake. Am I complicating at all? I know you don't like it, but I'm saying it anyway, because the word of God. One wrong word your husband said, it has been in you for years. You are still pretending, God, Lord, you must intervene in this marriage. Ten things around. He's not even hearing you in the first place. Because it's fake. Fellowship is not in place. Fellowship means you can't you can flow. You see, in the natural, those of us who are married, when there's an issue between you and your spouse and you have not resolved it, you can't go and touch her body. She will shake like a fish that has come out of water. If her born again is incomplete, eh, she wears some tight shorts. Some of them who are, who are yet to even experience Christ, they will not even sleep in the room with you. When there is no fellowship. There is what? No fellowship. No fellowship. But if you want to have deep fellowship, husbands, you want to enjoy sex with your wife, listen, make sure the flow is thick. Praise God. Let the flow be what? Thick. Pastor, my wife, she doesn't give me. Let me find out the flow. The kind of messages you send, the kind of gifts you, you have given in the recent uh, three months. We are in August. We are in August, going to September. No special gift has gone. And you are talking about economy, economy. You are not correct. That's why fellowship is weak. If you want fellowship to be strong, sacrifice your lunch for one week, buy a gift. Fellowship will change. Can somebody say amen? Fellowship will change. Fellowship will change. Can somebody give me an amen? amen? Fellowship. If you want to have fellowship, when you walk in love, there's fellowship. 
fellowship. You flow, you flow, you flow. There are some people, they don't pray as hard as others. I pray as a pastor, I try my best, at least. Some, some cool three hours a day, I must be able to. Praise God. But I know of some pastors, seven, eight hours a day, they are strong on the prayer altar. When you see their face, it glows as, as if they are called prayer. <laughs> but still, things are not happening. Church is not growing. All kinds of things are happening. Because in their heart, there is some envy and bitterness somewhere against somebody. I'm here to meet one human being I've harbored something against. Don't accept the person. Have people offended me too many times? How recent? As of two days ago. Praise God. <laughs> Am I communicating with somebody? It's an everyday thing. I leave it. I leave there. But as it is coming, it is going. No, 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 no. You mess up. You speak something. I hear you. I deal with you. I, you, un, you understand. We flow. We, you don't understand. We still flow. But this time in wisdom. Am I communicating here? That's all. That's all. Because you see, when you walk in the light, God's nature is love. So if you have not become a partaker, we claim... Becoming a partaker of the divine nature of God is what enhances fellowship. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Because God wants you to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth, he made you a spirit being. So you are not natural. You have a body, you have a soul, but you are essentially spirit. We are essential. You are a spirit being. You are not spiritual. You are a spirit being. You have a soul. Your body is the house of your spirit. Why? Because God wants to fellowship with you and he can't fellowship with your head. He can't fellowship with your body. He can only fellowship with you at the spiritual level. God is a spirit. You marry a woman because you can fellowship with her in the body. But God is a spirit. To fellowship with God, you have to be in the spirit. And when we walk in love, we are in the spirit. Praise God. When we walk in love, we are in the spirit. You'll come to see it very soon. When we walk in love, we are in the spirit. So we are already flowing. I see you flowing with God. Two cannot work together except they be agreed. Number three, walking in love is the zenith of godly character. Somebody say the zenith of godly character. If you want to know, church, that somebody has character, check their love life. Check their love life. Don't check their prayer life. Oh, this one can pray seven hours. You know, it's not a sign of spiritual maturity. He just loves to pray. It's a good thing. But that's not a sign of spiritual maturity. Ah, this guy, he can give all. It's a good thing. But that is not the ultimate sign of spiritual maturity. Praise God. Check, 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 check. The ultimate and the best check for spiritual maturity. If you want to know a person is spiritually mature, check the use of their tongue. Find out. Creating confusion all the time. That is one mark sign that the person is not spiritually mature. Check is the person forgiving. When you do something against it, does he keep on referring you every two weeks, every three months, every one year? And for no apparent reason, check, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. That, that, does a person walk in envy, jealousy? Are they able to celebrate others who are succeeding? And when particularly they seem not to be making it like them? You drive maybe Toyota Highlander and somebody is driving, let's say, uh, what do you call it? Toyota Highlander is even a good... Eh? Matis. <laughs> <laughs> Let me not spoil somebody's brand. Or maybe 
leader in some Highlander, somebody is using some Chinese car somewhere. And the person who is in Highlander all of a sudden dropped the Highlander and went for Range Rover. And you are selling your Chinese. Listen, naturally, you can feel like, ah, I may have to you, and I may have to give you. But if you don't take it, the next time you will be start speaking that, oh, so when you hear, ah, Charlie, your friend has got that guy who lives in your neighbor, he just got himself a range over. Oh, Jano. Praise God. What is it? It's envy. It's envy. That is the proof that this is a spiritually mature person. It's not tongues. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it at all. It's not. Can pray and shake, shake, shake. That's not it. <laughs> if you can really shake, shake the envy out of your spirit. Shake the jealousy out of your spirit. That's not godliness. Shake it out of your spirit. Shake it out of your spirit. That is true godliness. Paul was, Peter was speaking at first. He says, now giving all diligence, add to your faith. Can you go there? Second Peter, quickly. Giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, temperance, and knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. Verse 4. And to godliness, verse uh, 7. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, what? Love. Add to your faith. What faith are you to add to? The faith, when you got born again, the faith that came to you by Christ, you received and gave. Add to it. Build on it. Don't stay there. Add to it. And when you add to it, you'll be growing. You'll be adding on, adding on. Like this building, the foundation is laid. And then they begin to lay the first blocks. Then they begin to go on. They begin to plaster. They begin to paint. We are adding on to it. Now look at it. He said, when you have added virtue, you have added or make sure that you add bro uh, 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 brotherly, to brotherly kindness. Top it up with love. Now go to verse 8. He says, if these things are yours in you and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Am I communicating here? That's it. Love. Number four. Love is a master key to a fulfilling life. Somebody say love. love. is a master key to a fulfilling life. When you walk in love, you live a fulfilled life. I'm telling you. Depression is not part of your life. Praise God. No, no, no. I've never seen somebody who genuinely, oh, pastor, I, I've been depressed too many times. Listen, your love life is weak. When you are deeply rooted in love, loving, why are you depressed? Because somebody has something you don't have, and you think God has not been fair to you, and you are meditating on it, and for a long time, you, become into, you come into depression. That's how depression comes. When you meditate on wrong things for a long time, then it weighs you down emotionally. And because your spirit is weak, then you break down. That's what they call depression. Medical science will call it something else. But biblically, that's depression. They call it the spirit of heaviness. There are some people, every day they are heavy. Their face is heavy. Their work is heavy. Every time they are heavy. They carry this heavy face. As if the whole world is against them. Listen, it's depression. It's depression. When somebody is doing something nice, they carry a heavy face. When somebody is doing something bad, they carry a heavy face. What kind of person are you? Yeah. Everybody is laughing. They are, they are still straight. I say they are suspecting the laughter. They, I'm telling you. Am I communicating here? No, no, no. You can't live a fulfilled life like that. You can't. You can't live. You can't live a fulfilling life. A lot of people are really, really 
most of the challenges people have is not bodily, it's emotional. Spiritually, they are weak. Emotional. A lot of people are reporting sick of uh, things that do not exist in their body, but in their spirit and in their emotions. That's all they take to hospital. The doctors, they just keep on collecting your money. And you're, yeah! They know that this thing is not a hospital thing. <laughs> Go and deal with your heart. Forgive your husband. Forgive your brother. Let it be free. You see that all of a sudden you have become light. Life is very exciting. And you're moving on. Praise God. Simple. Fulfilling life. Life is too short to live unfulfilled. In fact, maybe in the course of the year or before the year ends, I will teach on living a fulfilling life. Because a lot of people are not happy with their lives because they are unfulfilled. Living a fulfilling life. Number five, quickly. Yeah, Shabbat say. Walking in love keeps you healthy and prolongs your days. You will live long. Yeah. Did, did you hear that prophecy? Yeah. I said you will live long. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about your neighbor, I'm talking about you. Yeah. Your aiming doesn't look like you understand yeah. what I'm saying. Listen, I'm not saying that you will live for 30 years. I said you will live very long. And I'm not saying you live with sickness. You live very healthy. Can somebody give me a believing amen? Now, if you really understood the value of health, you will not sit down. You will jump up and say amen. Praise God. Walking in love keeps you healthy and prolongs your days. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I've been in a hurry to come to this place because I want to read something from a book and I recommend that book to you highly. It will help you. Praise God. Very. It keeps you healthy. It keeps you healthy. Until the recent uh, surgery I had, I have not been, I have not been to hospital in uh, almost 20 years for anything. Just go pray for people like because where is the sickness coming to? Sometime I'll tell you what it was about. But it's not, uh, it's not one of those uh, walking in hatred generated kind of sickness. Praise God. I actually didn't see it as sickness. I actually, uh, it, uh, I just needed to clear it to be effective in my work. It wasn't that like a sickness. Because I had known it for a long time. I prayed about it, dealt with it many times. And it wasn't an option. Praise God. If, if I, I was a hospital type, I would have gone a long time ago. When you walk in love, you live healthy. One of the greatest medicines for life is joy. Somebody say joy. joy. Oh, I'm telling you, doctors, you heard Dr. Asumedi. Medicine people, they deal with sicknesses that cannot be resolved. They manage it. <laughs> Is that not what you do? Oh, please give him microphone. If I'm not correct, you say, Pastor, here you are not correct. It's not my field. If it is John 3, I'm quoting that one, I can tell you. That is my authority. But if what I'm saying is not so sure, just tell me. But medicine, they know you will die eventually. <laughs> so they will just uh, manage you. Manage you, manage you, manage you, manage you. It shall be well, it shall be well, it shall be well, it shall be well. Then you go. <laughs> Praise God. A lot of people go there and as they are talking, they know that this one, what this person needs is just to maintain a light spirit. 
Just be happy a little. Just be joyful. That's all you need. The Bible said, and Mary had do it good like medicine. All the drugs you have been taking, heartache, this, all this, and just that's joy. joy. How can you walk in joy? Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And love rejoices. Love what? Rejoices. Rejoices. Love is always rejoicing. Love. People feel love. They are always rejoicing. When they hear somebody has broken through, they are rejoicing. When they hear somebody is getting married, they are rejoicing. They are always rejoicing at good news. But you, hatred, envy has filled your heart. Every good news provokes you. Every good news brings you into a place of questioning God. Oh God, when shall I? When shall I? testimony. Listen, it's not because of anything. No. It's heavy in your heart. That is why it's provoking all of that. And until you deal with it, uproot it, you won't go far. Let me read something to you that will be a great blessing to you. This is one of my favorite authors. Kenneth Higgin. He lived and worked for God for a long time. He died, I think, 90 plus. Praise God. Very, very awesome man of God. He wrote two powerful books on love. One of them is How to Walk in Love. The other is Love the Way to Victory. Now, let me read something to you in How to Walk in Love, chapter 3. In fact, How to Walk in Love, if you're a very fast reader and you have the book, within 30 or so minutes, you should finish. 30 minutes is even too much if you're a very fast reader. It's a very short book. But the way to, the Love the Way to Victory is a bit voluminous. Get them. It will help you. He says, I am in my 59th year of divine health. Divine what? Health. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus. I am certainly not opposed to medical science. Thank God for medical science. Thank God for doctors, especially Christian doctors. Like Dr. Pei, Dr. Let's clap our hands for them, Dr. Law. Clap your hands for them. Now, fast forward it. I believe in good doctors especially Christian doctors. And if I needed a doctor, I would go to see one. Uh-huh. I will go. Excellent faith preachers never discount the place of medicine. I believe in medicine. I believe that those who operate in that level operate by the wisdom of God. And in developing your faith, you may have to go there based on your level of faith at a time. So it's not bad. Now he says, if I needed one, I would, I, if I needed to, but I haven't even had a headache since 1933. Wow. Not a headache. The last headache I had was in August of 1933. I haven't had as much as an aspirin in 60 years. But if I needed to go to the doctor, I will go. So you see, this is not a hypocritical preacher. He's just telling you the reality. Now, what's the secret? In recent years, I've, I've sent some people to the doctor and paid their bill myself. I've even bought medicine for them because I realized they needed it. I don't want to bring you into bondage. If you have, if you have to go to the doctor, you may not have known what I knew to begin with. But if you are not going to walk, if you are going to walk in health, please listen. This is important. If you are going to walk in health, you are going to have to walk close to God. One, you got you have. You are going to have to walk close to God. How are you going to walk close to God? You are going to have to do what he said here. And walk in love. And I will show you how I've learned. So what is he saying? The secret of his healthy living was his love walk. Let me continue here. He said, a number of times, 
Just like anybody else, I have been tempted not to forgive. How many of you have been there before? Tempted not to forgive. Tempted not to forgive. And sometimes you feel so justified not to forgive. And when we are even encouraging you to forgive, you say, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. My case. Listen. <laughs> Do you know the situations we are forgiving people and we are flowing with them? He said, like everyone else, I've been tempted not to forgive. But I refuse to let the least bit of animosity, the least of ill, Ill will, the least bit of wrong feeling get in me. In fact, if people begin to talk about me, I start praying for them. I wake up in the morning and say, God bless dear brother so and so. Now, I don't know what he meant by what he said. That's between him and you. But I know you want to bless him. I pray that his ministry will be blessed. I pray that you give him divine guidance and direction. I pray that you use him and make him a blessing to others. I don't want to see any minister miss the will of God. <laughs> now, you may think that it was all easy from the start. This is the, an encouragement you should. He says, by the time I was in second grade, I was mad at the whole world. I felt like I had been cheated in life. Now, our home was divided. My oldest brother, Dab, had gone to live with some kinfolks, and I lived with others. We didn't get to see each other very often. He and I made a solemn pact, a solemn pact agreement. When I was nine, Look at hatred. When I was nine and he was 11, that when we were grown, we were going to kill our daddy for what he had done to our mother. We knew we couldn't do it then, but we knew we could when we got grown. And we would have done it too. It, would have, it wouldn't have, have solved anything, but we intended to do it. The only thing that kept me from getting killed, getting, kept, kept him from getting killed. The only thing that kept him from getting killed was my getting saved. Then I talked Dab, my brother, out of it. I couldn't take up for myself like Dab could. He was big. He was over six feet tall when he was only 16 years old. And he wouldn't take, you know, six feet tall. That guy, I think he's six feet tall. Can. Can. Very tall. And he was assisting, if you're like, you know, can, the guy who was playing the keyboard, that hefty guy, yeah, that, that guy, and his elder brother was 16 years, and he was that heavy. So, as for him, he had a heart condition, so he said, because of his heart condition, he could not see that happen, but because, with his brother's help, they were going to kill their father. But look at what happened. He says, I have seen that at 17 take on four grown men at once and whip all of them right down in my hometown. <laughs> that brother <laughs> could beat four grown-up men at 16, 17. Praise God. So if he's going to partner with this guy to kill their father, it's a small job. He said, we both grew up in twisted, twisted in mind and with a chip on our shoulders. If some of the king folks did that wrong, he would whip them. I couldn't start anything because I had a hard condition. If they did me wrong, I will say to myself, well, now, that's it. I will never speak to them again. I marked them off my list and gave them the silent treatment. You know the silent treatment? Have you given somebody silent treatment? Are you already giving somebody silent treatment? <laughs> Maybe that is why you are sick. <laughs> the silent treatment, that's what is killing you. The person, the person is coming and you are thinking of all things in your head and the person is just happy going. He's not even thinking about you. Happy going. 
he has worn his dress. He doesn't even see it as his best. And you are looking at office of life. And all of that are going on in your head. And he's not even thinking about our boy life. In fact, not just was shed that's what life be You would die, oh you would die. Long life. Long life. Long life. He says, but but then I got born again while invalid. The Bible says, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. I'll be talking about it. The love of God. When he got born again, the love of God came into his spirit. It wasn't too many weeks after I was healed at age 17 that one of my kinfolks did me an injustice. I remember I said to myself, when this happened, I will give them the old treatment. I won't speak to them or have anything to do with them anymore. I didn't have my mind renewed yet with the word of God. The next day after I said that, I was walking downtown in the business district and I saw this person coming toward me. The thought crossed my mind. I will look in this store window and turn my back on them. Another thought flashed across my mind. I will cross the street here in the middle of the block so I won't have to meet him. How many of us have had issues? <laughs> but then, something rose up inside me. The Bible says, the love of Christ constrains me. Wow. That love was in my spirit. I didn't have to let it dominate me. I could have let my natural human reason and flesh dominate me. But thank God I let that love rise up in me. Now, most of us, all of us who are born again, we have the love of God inside us. What I'm teaching you is not something outside you. It's already inside you. If you find it very easy to hate people, you are not born again. If hating people is very easy with you. If unforgiveness is very easy with you. It's check your born again. Maybe confess Christ again. Or go for a thicker version of the blood of Jesus to wash away. <laughs> <laughs> when you got born again, the love came into you. When you are truly born again, your life, love is natural. Somebody say, love is natural. He said, instead of turning against those folks, I went to meet them right on the street. I reached out my hand to them, shook hands with them, and told them I loved them. I said with tears, I'm praying for you, and I want, to know, I want you to know something. If it will help you in any way, I will get down on my knees right here on the street and kiss your feet. Now, when I said that, they started crying. You see the power of love? I'll teach on this because some of us have a twisted mind how to deal with our enemies. In fact, the whole books have been written on it. Whole book, how to bring your enemies down, how to destroy your enemies, how to dangerous prayers against your enemies. Listen, I don't have dangerous prayers. Praise God. My prayer is that, Lord, I love you. Take me deeper in love. Because the Bible said, I have not seen nor ear, neither have it entered in the heart of mine. The thing which God has prepared for them that love him. When I get sold out in love for God and I walk in love towards my neighbor, what people are praying against, God will make sure that he doesn't even come close to me. Am I communicating here? That's why. Because, you see, the folly, the folly of praying those seemingly unscriptural dangerous prayers is that most of the time, the judgment you are desiring that it comes upon them, that is not on God's mind at all. God is not thinking about it. You want them to die. God wants them to say, be saved. You want them to die by fire. Now, 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 that person, you want him to die because he has offended you today. Tomorrow, God has put a billion dollar idea in him. And he's going to come out with a business. And out of that business, your children who will graduate school will be finding jobs in this company. Because where you are, you can see that. 
you want him dead. If he dies, your children may be bound for life without job. I'm not communicating. Because God can see the future and he can tell. Your mind is always different. I'm not communicating somebody. You don't pray. Who even told you that? This prayer that the person did something against you and you are praying against him. Who told you that you too, somehow you have not done something like that to somebody? And if that person was praying that kind of prayer against you, <laughs> you wouldn't live to pray this one that you are praying on. You would have died a long time ago. That's why the Bible says, whatsoever you would that men do unto you, do it unto others. I rain fire, curses upon him, his children, everybody in his lineage. Let them die. Let them be scattered into pieces. Who taught you that? Praise God. Because that's not scripture. The other time Jesus said he was going to disciples. The disciples they were going to Samaria. And then the people rejected them. When they rejected them, they said, ah, let us call fire. Like Elijah called fire and destroyed them. Jesus said, you people, you don't know the kind of spirit you carry. You must know the spirit you carry. The spirit we carry is the spirit of love. Praise God. Every time people offend you and you forgive them, they don't become better. You are the one who become better at it. Praise God. It helps you. Health. Health and vitality. Health and vitality. Health and vitality. I've not finished my outline, but even the story. He says, when I said that they started crying and Forgive me, forgive me. I've done an injustice to you. Forgive me. I shouldn't have said what I said. Love never fades. I began to walk in love, to fellowship with God. Now, I think, let me just top it up here. And then, because there was something he said that I think is oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, so love never fades. I began to walk in love. Praise God. Praise God. I think I'll end it there. Amen? That's it. You live long. He lived until he was 90 something. People did all kinds of things to him. One day I'll be telling you a, a bit about some of his life experiences. To live in a falling world and think that people will not offend you, you lie. If you don't learn to respond appropriately to it, the reason why people are not happy with their lives is not because of circumstances. It's because of people. They have allowed other people. Some of them left their lives like two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. They are controlling them. You, you, you are always angry. You are, you are easily agitate, agitated. And it's because of something somebody did against you many years ago. So you see, people, everywhere you go, people, people see you say, oh, I say, Oh, quick temper. And that quick temper is because of one particular person. And now, anybody you meet, you bring your anger to the person. Why? That's why you can't sustain any relationship. That's why things are not working. You, you are full of bitterness. And please help yourself. Tell your neighbor, say, help yourself. Say, help yourself. Help yourself. Help yourself. Help yourself. Help yourself. And then let me close with this. Walking in love is the most authentic proof. Number seven, walking in love is the most authentic proof that you have matured. Let me just read six out to you. Number six is that walking in love is a fruit of the spirit. Walking in love is walking in the spirit. Somebody say walking in love. 
is walking in the spirit. Say it, walking in love. Is walking in the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He said, Walk in the spirit. Galatians 5 16. Walk in the spirit, and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I say, let's read it together. One. I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, and responsive to, controlled, and be guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires. Say an amen. Praise God. He said, walk in the flesh. Walk in the spirit. A lot of people have some weird ideas when you talk about somebody walking in the spirit. They think that it's like suspended in space. Your legs are not touching. <laughs> That's not. When you walk in the spirit, <laughs> a person who walks in the spirit walks in love. Why? Because love is the fruit of the spirit. Somebody say love is the fruit of the spirit. So if you are in the spirit, you are living in the spirit, that fruit will be coming out of you. The Bible says we shall be known by our fruits. So if you want us to know that you are really spiritual, because I meet some people, they, they pretend and posture in a way that shows that they are very spiritual. But the things they say about people, the envy, the bitterness in their heart, you see that they are way off. They don't know anything about walking in the spirit at all. Let me close. Walking in love is the most authentic proof that you have matured in your love for God. Somebody say mature. mature. Oh, say it, mature. mature. Say mature. mature. How many of you are excited when the, day, the due date of maturity of some heavy investment you have made is getting closer? You're excited. You see, we are always excited when things around us mature. When your child matures, graduate school, you're excited. But you know God is also expecting us to mature. And what God wants us to mature in is love. Somebody say love. First John chapter 4 verse 9. First John chapter 4 verse 9. Our love for God must be matured. Our love for God must be what? Matured. When your love for God is matured, Satan cannot uh, do anything. <laughs> In this, the love of God was made manifest, displayed. Where we are concerned, in that God sent his son, the only begotten or unique son, into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 9, 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation and atoning sacrifice for our sins. Good. Let's go to verse 12. Let's re-go. No man has at any time yet seen God. God abides, lives, and remains in us. is brought to completion, to its full maturity, runs its full course. Are you with me? Uh -huh. A person who is matured in his love for God, that person works in love. Fool. Those are the people who say with Apostle Paul, what shall separate me from the love of God? When your love is matured, Mature love is inseparable. Mature love. That's why you can meet a couple and they are like 50 years and they've been married together. They have matured in love. They've matured through their problems. They've matured through... They, they, people married today, it's so sad. People married today, one year, six months, and immediately they want to. Because we are babies in love. Paul was speaking, he said, What shall separate me from the love of God? which is in Christ. He was talking about agape. When agape is in place, 
Let's read that and I'll close. Romans chapter 8. The things he listed there. Yeah. What, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation. Somebody says tribulation. Praise God. Now, if you think a little, you will know that nobody wants who, who, who would have money and say, I want to die with hunger. Sharp tribulation separates me. And some of us, it's not just uh, with our relationship with God. And the little challenge that people go through in our days because our love is not matured. Then the little challenge, you see Christians, the little challenge, then they backslide. You have finished school three years, you have not gotten a job. And somebody is telling you, I want to sleep with you. You say, Pastor, say they ahead you. Papa, no, there's no way out. Then you give in. Listen, your, your love for God is not strong. Praise God. Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Now look at the things he's talking about. Not your lack of car, not your lack of husband, not your lack of child. He's talking about things that are life and death matters. He said, none of them. Go to verse number 6. 36, quickly please. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Like verse 37, I like it. Nay! Somebody say nay. In all these things we are more than through him that agaped us. Praise God. When you mature in love, no matter what you go through, you will come out on top. You will come out on top. And I say you coming up on top. I don't know what you are dealing with. I don't know how you have been maligned. I don't know what people have said against you. What kind of thing people have done against you. But as you make a quality decision to walk in love, I see you coming on top of it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That marital issue, you are coming out. That job challenge, you are coming out. That relationship matter, you are coming out. In the name of Jesus. You are coming out as a victor and not a victim. You are not coming out, hear me, you are not coming out as a conqueror. You are coming out as more than a conqueror. Shout, I'm coming out as more than a conqueror. Shout, I'm coming out as more than a conqueror. When you walk in love, it could be a divorce challenge. When you decide to walk in love towards a man who disappointed you, did all kinds of things and left you and abandoned you. You will come out, just about three or four years down the line, the same man will see, see you and would like to propose to you again. Am I communicating? But you, he, he just messed you up and you have decided to also mess yourself up more. Moving from place to place. Curses, raining, looking for things to do. Listen, by the time you realize you have destroyed yourself and he's leaving. The sad thing about it is that most of the time, the people you are trying to destroy, God keeps on promoting them. And it even annoys you more. That is what makes it even more pro uh, very, very annoying. You want the person dead. By the time you hear, he's on CNN. You want the person dead. By the time you hear, he's preaching on another major station. Am I communicating here? Now, that's how God does it. So cooperate with God. He says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You are coming out. Say, I'm coming out. Now I want you to put your hand on your heart. I'm not giving you love. The love of God is already in your spirit. 
What you have to do, put your hand on your chest and say, today, say it after me, today, today. Lord, I decide. Lord, I, decide. I, choose I choose to let the love of God flow out of my spirit. I'm dominated by the love of God. I function in love. I walk in love. Enmity has no place in me. Hate has no place in me. Love is my identity. Love is my nature. I love all. The lovable and the unlovables. Thank you, Father. That by the anointing, my love is stimulated again. It's fun to flame again. In Jesus' precious name. Maybe you're here this morning. You can't love just like God. I'm told you have experienced his love. You're here this morning. You want to say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to God. I want to experience his love so I can love like that. You are here like that. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior so you can experience his love. Brother, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody like that, you want to experience his love. You can't give what you don't have. Peter said, search as we have, give eye unto thee. Until you experience his love, you can't express his love. You want to experience the love of God? Lift up your hands, brother, lift up your hands. Say it after me. Lord Jesus, thank you today. I admit I'm a sinner. And I call upon you. Come into my life. Be my savior. Forgive me my sin. Empower me by your nature of love to walk in love. Thank you for making me a brand new person. Today, I confess Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe with my heart that he died and rose again on the third day. By my confession, I'm made righteous. And by my belief, I'm saved. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' precious name. Father, thank you for saving them and thank you for establishing them in your house. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Are you glad? Put your hands together for the Lord. Please take your seat. Are you worshiping with us for the very first time? Today is your first time here in this church. Can you give me a wave? Today is your first time. Anybody like that? Today is your first time. There's a hand. There's a hand. There's a hand. Wow. Those of you close to them, can you give them a handshake? Wonderful, 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 wonderful. It's our pleasure and delight that God ordered your step into this place today. And I'm glad that you came. After the service on the first row here, I want to spend some few minutes with you, get to know you, pray for you, and then listen to you. Amen? So those of you who are in that category, right after the service, on this first row, I want to meet you. Those of you who raise your hands, accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to meet you. Amen? God richly bless you. On Wednesday, our teaching series is on overcoming stagnation, in life. I want to encourage you to be part of that season. Sometimes certain things are still, they don't change. They are in your life for a long time and you think that somebody is doing you. You have to learn how to overcome it. Praise God. Uh-huh. Because the Bible says everyone that is born of God has what it takes to overcome. When you are born of God, nothing must overcome you. You must overcome everything. Praise God. But you need to learn how to overcome. On Wednesday we'll continue that series. I want to encourage you come and invite someone to come along with you. Amen. God richly bless you. So, that's it. Stand on your feet. All workers, we have a very important meeting. Ashes, those of you who came late, your offering has not been received. Just lift up your 
offering and then the horses will locate you. We have a very important meeting. Church workers, every one of us must wait for that meeting. If you have to go anywhere, it must be with my express permission. Pastor Fuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Fuakwa, please call 540 or 204 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Fuakwa on Facebook and Twitter. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services. 6.30 a.m. First service. 8.45 a.m. Second service. And on Wednesdays for our Word Encounter service at 6 o'clock p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nana Ama Ejakuma Plaza. Opposite the Unity Oil Station. Santasi Roundabout. Kumase, Ghana. God richly bless you. <laughs>